While fleeing Apaches, this gentleman from Virginia found a strangely shimmering cave. When he entered it, he discovered his body had somehow split in two. One form lay dead on the cave floor, while the other was mystically transported through time and space to the planet Mars. Stan Lee presents Edgar Rice Burroughs, John Carter, Warlord of Mars. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 97. Meanwhile, back in Helium. John Carter, Warlord of Mars, issue 18, cover date November 1978. Hello and welcome back once again to Marvel's Cosmic Comics. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and this is a podcast where I talk about Marvel's Cosmic Comics. That is the sci-fi and fantasy comic books that Marvel Comics published under licenses with other people and not based on characters of their own original creation, so to speak. I mean, Marvel's a company, and so they didn't actually... Marvel didn't create the things, but people working for Marvel did. But these are not Marvel's properties. These are things that they have licensed. And so the thing we are talking about today is John Carter, Warlord of Mars, that they licensed from the Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, estate. And for this episode, we're talking about issue number 18. Now, previously in John Carter, Warlord of Mars... Marv Wolfman was writing a pretty amazing run on a comic book that was based on new adventures of Edgar Rice Burroughs' space opera hero, John Carter. But then, Chris Claremont, before he was THE Chris Claremont, before he was THAT Chris Claremont, who wrote the follow-up novel trilogy to Willow, the George Lucas-produced, Ron Howard-directed, fantasy movie of the 80s uh oh also him before he became the writer of one of comics greatest creative runs ever in the form of his run on x-men uh he has taken the reins to john carter warlord of mars with his own storyline based on new adventures of john carter and that storyline is called assassins of mars this issue chapter three in claremont's john carter run and so far it has had an assassination attempt on john carter and when he recovered from the assassination attempt he and deja thoris went to investigate and they were captured by some people from a hidden kingdom and in that hidden kingdom john carter really impressed the people there and received a position of power but deja thoris also impressed the people there and part of john carter impressing the people there uh and then choosing to try to keep Deja Thora's away from the people uh, there because their uh, women are, are for marriage only. They don't have anything. They don't have any other function. And when I say marriage only, that it means exactly what you think it means. Uh, she has been taken by the leader of that kingdom to be his bride. 
And basically, she is now lost to John Carter forever, which has caused a lot of angst for John Carter. But meanwhile, back in Helium, well, that's the title of this issue. And we're going to find out what's going on back in their hometown of Helium with their friends and colleagues. The uh, cover date is November 1978. The on sale date, August 22nd, 1978. So that's where we had to set our time machine back to go to August to buy these November cover date books. Because as you no doubt know, um, if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably have picked up on it. And probably if you know things about comic book history, you, you know this as well. But the cover date is actually the date that these books would be taken off the stands, not when they were put on the stands. But we went to August when we took our time machine because we wanted to get them fresh and new before people were, you know, shuffling through them and rifling through them and getting them torn and, and ripped and, and all messed up. Anyway, the cover price, 35 cents, and our editor was Roger Stern. The writer, Chris Claremont, penciler for this issue, though, and, you know, this this was a surprise to me. Frank Miller, <laughs> he's... Before he was the Frank Miller, before he was that Frank Miller, who uh, had one of comics' greatest runs ever in the form of his Daredevil run, uh, not to mention the way he kind of reinvented superhero comics for good or for or ill, however you, you t- choose to look at it. Uh, he and Alan Moore with Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen pretty much guaranteed that there was going to be a lot of darky dark dark going on in the world of superhero comics. Anyway, he was the penciler on this. The inker, Bob McLeod. The uh, letterer, Gene Simek. And the colorist is Bob Sharon. So, meanwhile, back in Helium, Tars Tarkas is being attacked. Like, that's our splash page. That's what we are opening up with. We don't know who is doing the attacking? We don't know why they're doing the attacking. We just know that he's ducking out of the way from a spear. And Cantus Khan seems to think that this is not good, that they are assassins. But Tars Tarkas knows, you know what? This is just the way us Tharks, us green Martians, say Kaor. I don't know what Kaor exactly means, but that's the way you say Kaor to an old companion. You chuck a spear at him. And hope they're good enough to get out of the way and not get hit. Cantus Khan leaves Tars Tarkas and says, if that's how you greet your friends, I'd hate to see how you greet your enemies. And he's right. These guys are pretty tough and brutal people. Now, the Thark who is attacking Tars Tarkas is named Barak. And he has been sent to meet Tars Tarkas in formal combat. He's gotten permission to do this because... The people of, the, well, the the uh, the Thark people kind of view Tars Tarkas as, as a weak link. He is a weak leader. He is being made weak by spending time with these red Martians. And they think that his time with John Carter has caused him to become something less than Thark, I guess, would be, I guess, the way to explain it. So they will meet in three days at the main Thark hatchery that is abandoned now and uh, part of the reasons why Barak has chosen this place is that it is a chilling uh, scary place but you know Tars Tarkas man he is so over fear 
he's just done with fear. I mean, after defeating and fighting an army of walking skeletons and some of the other stuff that he's gone through with John Carter, this place doesn't bother him at all. So when he gets there, they fight and the battle goes back and forth as a good battle goes. And they end up on this lake of ice, which is something that they have not seen before, apparently, which. Okay, sure, I guess so. But uh, I find it hard to believe that they have lived on Mars this long without seeing ice, unless maybe the idea is that they haven't seen a body of water like a lake, uh, let alone one that has gotten frozen or something. I don't know. Anyway, the ice breaks and these red hands start reaching up from the waters below and just start grasping and clawing and pulling that Tars Tarkas and Barak and they fight back against this enemy, but they end up fighting back to back against this enemy. Uh, They have a common enemy and they have a common goal. And Tars Tarkas actually throws Barak back to the shore. And just as Barak, you know, stands up and turns around to, to see Tars Tarkas gets pulled under the water. And so Barak has a newfound respect for Tars Tarkas, but he leaves him for dead. Of course, Tars Tarkas is, is not dead. He's still alive. He, it's a pretty cool looking panel where he bursts out from the ice, through the ice, uh, having defeated whatever it is that's below the ice. And it's kind of cool that it's a mystery. You don't really know what's underneath there. What are these arms coming from? Who are these arms coming from? And I guess you could even read some symbolism into this, you know, because the people of Mars that he is with, Dejah Thoris's people, John Carter's adopted people, uh, they're they're the Red Martians. And you can maybe see uh, kind of a metaphor of these things coming up from the ice and pulling down at him, um, making him in the eyes of the Tharks, you know, weak or causing him to lose his life, lose his identity as, as a Thark. But of course he bursts out of the ice. He goes and he confronts Barak and Barak fights him. And Tars Tarkas is now totally weak, totally could not stand up against Barak, but he fights. He still does. And Barak has the upper hand, but he just can't strike Tars Tarkas dead. He just can't because of what's what's gone down here. So he lets him live. Now, by their law, by their tradition, uh, that means that since he let Tars Tarkas live, he has technically speaking, he has lost this challenge. And it's one of those things where you kind of see it. You know, if someone is in the middle of this challenge and then runs away, then that would count as a loss. And that means that he's not just the loser. He's an outcast. And, uh, you know, it, it's this kind of strange culture thing that totally makes sense. It's, it's a logical culture thing. And so he is going to be an outcast, but he will return. He will kill Tars Tarkas. That's, that's not in question with him. He's just not going to do it right now where Tars Tarkas is weakened. And not only that, he's weakened because he saved Barak's life. And so you have this cultural honor going on and it's, it's, that's kind of cool. And you have these, uh, these different things with their, you know, their laws and 
and, and traditions and customs. And that's actually what makes this story really work well for me is that you have these twists and turns in the plot. And some of it comes from, you know, creative, clever fighting, <laughs> but some of it comes from the laws and their sense of honor, which it's alien to me. Uh, and therefore it's, I discover it as the plot progresses. They aren't discovering anything new here, but I am. And, and so it's not so strange though, when it just pops up and all of a sudden, Oh, I'm going to let you live. Oh, that means you're an outcast. It's, it's new to me. It's fresh to me and it's discovery. It's, it's complete new discovery as I'm going through the story and I like where it takes me. And the setting is another thing where we kind of discover it as we go along, as far as the, uh, the hatchery and the, the lake of ice and the plot that we have that's against Tars Tarkas. It's a natural progression that comes from his friendship with John Carter and his friendship with the red race of Martians. And the idea that the people of, uh, well, the, the Thark people consider him uh, corrupted uh, and, and, not a true green Martian, I guess, not a, not a true Thark. And so I, I'm liking all the intrigue here. It's really, really neat. And we, now we do get also two pages with John Carter to remember his problem and that his wife has been taken from him. And then we also get to spend time with Dejah Thoris, who's being groomed to be Kara's bride. And she plans to play the part until she can get the upper hand against him. But she, I mean, she just playing the part is courageous defiance. And it's kind of interesting the way they, they play that up. Um, it's also implied that this means, you know, she's not just saying, hi, I'm going to be your wife. Uh, she it looks like she's going through with it. It looks like she's going to go ahead and um, endure what that means and John Carter calls it courage. You know, he, he doesn't see it as, as a betrayal. He doesn't see it as um, anything that she is doing wrong. It's, it's in fact, uh, this courageous thing that she's doing. So uh, John Carter, War Warlord of Mars, issue number 18 here is, it's a winner. I mean, uh, Chris Claremont has not managed to top the high heights that Marv Wolfman took me to with some of the earlier John Carter stories. But this issue makes me say, you know what? We've we're in good hands. There's some good stuff going on here. Now the art uh, is better than last issue, better than last issue. This is not Frank Miller at the top of his game. This is not Frank Miller. I, I honestly think this is more the paycheck Frank Miller. Uh, and it's not only the paycheck Frank Miller, who's doing work to get money because, hey, it's comics and it's a job, but it's also him having, you know, still learning his craft and working with an inker who is not his best complimentary uh, inker. And I just jumbled that way up. But bottom line is the artwork is decent, but it's not anything great. It's better than last issue, though. So that's. That's all I have to say, really, about John Carter, Warlord of Mars, number 18, which brings this month almost to a close. We are going to have one more segment to talk about the cover date, November of 1978. That segment is what I call Ben's Bullpen Bulletin, and it will feature Machine Man and Devil Dinosaur 
and a look back at the ad pages that appeared in the comic books that Marvel published with the cover date of November. So I do want to thank you for listening. I do want to thank you for spending time with me as we we talk about comics. So from the main control room of the comic book time machine, once again, I'm Ben, Ben Avery, signing off and saying thanks for listening and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Ben's Bullpen Bulletin, covering cover date November 1978, including Machine Man and Devil Dinosaur, issue number eight. I'm Chad Bokelman. You may know me from the Green Lantern podcast, The Lantern Cast. You also may know me from making promises across the comics podcasting community concerning a new project I've been working on. An Action Comics Weekly podcast, to be precise. Well, it's time to deliver on that promise. The Action Comics Weekly podcast is a bi-weekly podcast featuring myself and a rotating cast of semi-regular co-hosts discussing the characters appearing in the comic series of the same name from the late 1980s. So, starting this summer, join me and Mark Marble as we discuss Green Lantern. For all the people that want to give Hal when he was Parallax a lot of shit about the way he acted, <laughs> Star Sapphire has nothing on Hal for being like pushed over the borderline because she's just completely friggin' nuts. Jay Jones as we discuss Wild Dog. He straight up, like you said, he, he murders these people. And that's that's not my DC Comics. That's not super heroic at all. Batman wouldn't have killed anybody. But the story, this story is, it's it's not bad. It's not great. It's it's like the character himself. It's like, he's just, it's just there. It just exists. Ben Avery as we discuss The Secret Six. So when I read this alone, as I was reading through this, this issue, I'm thinking, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> I, I told Chad I'd do this, but I don't know if I'm going to like this. <laughs> I, I do end up liking Secret Six more. This is the introduction. And without this, you know, I probably wouldn't like you know, the, the second chapter as much. Doug Zavisha, as we discuss Dead Man. <laughs> well, it's, it's a kind of a waffly Dead Man story. It wants to be a dead man story. It starts to be a dead man story. It forgets it's a dead man story. And then it comes back to being one. <laughs>
um, on the span of eight pages. Alan Middleton as we discuss Blackhawk. That there's sort of this era of Blackhawk where he was sort of dissolute and sort of couldn't get civilian life together. Mm -hmm. And I think this story is either beginning that trend or at least tapping into that tapping into that fertile story. And Michael Bailey as we discuss Superman. There is really no way to tie this two-page strip into that. So it really exists in its own world at a time where the Superman books were becoming more and more linked. So it's this oddity on a number of levels. And many other characters featuring many more guest hosts along the way. The Action Comics Weekly Podcast. Coming soon, summer 2016. Find us on Facebook for more details.